All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. We have an incredible daf ahead of us today to thank our sponsor, our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves, Yoel and Sarah Kelman, in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oriatel and Leschus, that all of those who are davening for this beautiful brach of children should be granted at Bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the Shurim this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Tzvi and Naftali Moshe, and Shirley Elbaum and family creation of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Kabbalman of Avram Menachem. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. And above all, with that, let us, we have a lot to do today. Today's daf is daf ches. Daf ches. We are picking up on Zayin Ahmed Bey's 7b. We left off at the last Mishnah on the daf in the middle of what we call the Ein Bein Sugyos. The Ein Bein Sugyos, meaning this, the, the Mishnahists that contrast two different things. So we're picking up on the last Mishnah on 7b, Zayin Ahmed Bey's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 times up on the bottom. Mishnah. Ein bein Shabbos Yom Kippurim. There is no difference between Shabbos and Yom Kippur. Elo shezeh zedona bidei adam, vezeh zedona bekaris. The only distinction that there lies between the two of them is that violation of Shabbos is punishable bidei adam. One could be executed in a basin if you violate Shabbos. Vezeh zedona bekaris. Whereas violation of Yom Kippur is karis. Of course, karis refers to death at the hands of heaven and all of the other associated aspects of Kharis. Says the Gemara, what he sees on the interesting, what you see is that when it comes to Tashlum, when it comes to compensation, we'll discuss the exact parameters of that case in just a moment, Yom Kippur and Shabbos are the same. So the Gemara says, Mani Masnis, and whose opinion is this? Listen to this. Rabbi Nechunye ben Akonahi, the Sanya, so we'll say, just to, let me just tell you this out for just a moment, one of the fascinating concepts in halacha is the concept of kimle bidrabimine. I'll give you a simple example. Reuven, Reuven goes over to Shimon's field on Shabbos and he burns down the field. He burns down Shimon's field. So the Shabbos in halacha is what is the nature of Reuven's liability? You see, on one hand, remember again, think about this. The act of burning down a field, of course, Reuven has caused Shimon monetary damages. But what else has happened over here? What else has happened? Reuven has also violated Shabbos, right? Havara, kindling a fire on Shabbos is an Isra Da'araisa, and if done intentionally, again, with witnesses and warning, carries a death penalty. So the Shailin Halacha is, what happens when you perform an act which simultaneously generates a capital liability and a financial liability? So generally in Halacha, there's the concept of Kimle Bidarabamine, which if you do something that gets you the death penalty, it exempts you from any associated financial liability as well. That's concept. So therefore, I also watch this. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Chuy ben Akana, he, the Sanya, Rabbi Chuy ben Akana, Haya Oseh, Yom Kippur, Kishabbos, Letashlumen. Rabbi Chuy ben Akana said, Yom Kippur is just like Shabbos, therefore, for compensatory damages. Mas Shabbos, Mishai ben Afshu, Patim ben Letashlumen. Just like on Shabbos, if Halacha lemaisal, you do something which gets you the death penalty and also financial damages. The death penalty exempts you from financial damages. So to again on Yom Kippur, same idea. If a person goes ahead of us, so the, the simple case in Yom Kippur would be Reuven goes over to Shimon and he goes ahead and, uh, you know, he eats, uh, he eats his loaf of bread. 
right? He eats his artisan loaf of bread, which is worth a lot of money. So what happens now? Same idea. Ruvain is two levels of liability. One, he's chayiv kares for eating on Yom Kippur. Number two, he stole, and therefore he's chayiv for financial damages. So Rabbi ben Akana said, just like on Shabbos, you, since you're obligating the death penalty, you only get the death penalty and are exempted from financial compensation or financial repayment, so to on Yom Kippur is the same halacha. Very interesting idea. So the Gemara says, interesting Mishnah. The Mishnah says, in general, if you have Karis, they say, Karis is one of these interesting things. Because Karis, of course, is a punishment that is not, that is not, um, what's the word? Um, not delivered, but is not... Um, Administered, thank you. It's not administered by an earthly court, right? Kares is a punishment by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So listen to this Mishnah. The Mishnah says if a person does something which carries a liability of Kares, what's the halacha? If that person gets malchus, lashes, nifteru midei krisasan. Ultimately, again, they are exempted from their Kares. Look at Rashi, almost right across. Kol krisus, no, that's not yet, sorry. Um, a little bit, or a little bit above. I'm sorry. Kolchavi krisus shalako shehisru b'hen edim alav sheimo kares velako b'beizdin nifteru midei krisasan shuv ein beizdin shalmalo nifra'in. Vos a fascinating halacha. So a person does something that carries liability of kares. If halacha l'maisei they get malchus, the malchus exempts them from the kares. Which I will say is pretty wild if you think about it. Why? Because what's happening over here? A punishment, a punishment in Beisdin shall matter, right? In earthly Beisdin is exempting them from liability in celestial Beisdin, which is an excellent deal, an excellent, excellent deal, right? This is wonderful that this is indeed halacha because it's worth, the Malkas are worth it. The Malkas are worth it. So the Gemara how do you know this? Because the Pasuk says literally, your brother, the, the Torah of here is talking about the idea that we never give more than 39 malchus. You never administer more than 39 lashes. That's the maximum amount. Because the Pazik says, the Pazik says, because if you give him more lashes, you could disparage your brother in your eyes. So what do you see from here? Kevan Shalaka, once a person is flogged, once a person receives their lashes and based in Harehu Ke'achicha, he once again becomes like your brother. The fact that the Torah calls him Achicha, your brother will say, tells you that what? That Malchus, Malchus is restorative, right? Malchus is restorative. That the administering of lashes restores him to the state of Achicha. Divrei Rabbi Hananiah ben Gamliel. These are the words of Rabbi Hananiah ben Gamliel. But also, I just want to also point out something amazing. We've mentioned this many times in the past, but in, in general, in halacha, and in Yiddishkeit in general, we don't have the concept of punitive punishments. Punishments are always rehabilitative. They're always rehabilitative. That's why in Judaism, we have no concept of jail. There's no jail system in Judaism, because Judaism understood long ago that putting someone in a cell for a prolonged period of time does not help them get over their problems. This is not like a chiddish. Caging someone like an animal for a prolonged amount of time does not somehow cure anything. Often, as we see in contemporary society, makes things worse. Makes things worse. See, even Malchus, you begin to see Malchus. Now, again, I will point out, is there punitive punishment in Judaism? Is there punitive punishment in Judaism? There is, there's something called the knas, 
right? Knas, so knas, which is in the realm of, of financial payments. You have payments that are penalty payments, right? They, they have nothing, they have really nothing to do, right? I go ahead and I steal a sheep. I steal a sheep and I, sl- and I slaughter it and I sell it. I have to pay back four times the value of the sheep. What's that? What's that? That, that? That's a knas. That's a penalty. So in the realm of financial obligation or financial penalties, you have knas, you have punitive. But in the realm of other types of punishment, you just, you don't have it. So it's amazing. Malchus. What's the, what's the point of Malchus? So Malchus, the Gemara says, is restorative. The idea of Malchus is you go and you give him Malchus. And once you give him Malchus, what happens? He's a chicha. He's once again your brother. He's once again your brother. So the Gemara says as follows. If you think about this, by the way, this is really a dramatic and beautiful idea, which is that even if a person is chayiv kares, if he gets malchus, the malchus themselves have the ability to restore him to his yid status, to his achicha status. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Chalukin al Rabbi ben Rabbi Yochanan says, by the way, just so you should know, not everyone agrees with Rabbi Chananya ben Gamliel, right? And there are many who say that halacha lemaisa, administering malchus does not free one from the penalty of kares. Amarava. Rabbi says, Amri be Rav Chanina, Amri be Rav, sorry. Tanina, so that's just the side piece. Amri Tanina, ain't the Yavakibur on the Shabbos, Elo, Shazaz, the Donabi, the Adam. Remember again, we just said, we'll say, now let's bring this back to the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? There's no distinction between Shabbos and Yom Kippur. It's just that violation of Shabbos is judged in a human court. And violation of Yom Kippur is kares bide shamayim. So the Gemara says, one second, vim isa. But one second, if it's true, if it's true, that even if you're chayiv kares, we'll say, what happens if you're chayiv kares? What do we do if you're chayiv kares? What do we do? What do we do? We give you Malchus. We give you Malchus in Beisdin. Because this way, again, that exempts you from your Kares. If that's true, Eidi v'Eidi Bidei Adam. Then both Shabbos and Yom Kippur are both Bidei Adam. Right? Because remember, again, that means even if I violate Yom Kippur, and therefore there's a key of Kares, what are they going to do to me? What are they going to do to me? They're going to flog me in Beisdin. And they give me Malchus. Now the good news, the bad news is I get Malchus. The good news is the Malchus absolved me from my Kares. But if that's true, then in reality, both Shabbos and Yom Kippur are both judged in an earthly court. The truth is, the Mishnah affects the view of Rabbi Yitzchak. He holds that halacha lemaisa Malchus and Chayvei. There is no Malchus in Chayvei Krisus. So Rabbi Yitzchak does not subscribe to this idea. He doesn't hold that. He holds that wherever there's kares, human courts don't do anything for kares infractions. That is up to Akkadish Baruch Hu. The San Yerbitzchak Omer, Chai Bekrisos Pechlal Hayu. Right? Chai Bekrisos in general, but if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Kol Chai Bekrisos, Shalarayus Hayu Bechlal, Vinichrisu Hanefashos Haosos. So I will say in general, for Arayos, for, for acts of immorality, kind of all acts of immorality are grouped together under the umbrella of Kares. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, so if that's the case, why does the Torah single out an act of immorality with one's sister? In other words, if we have a generic statement that says, that talks about arayos, and we understand that even incest with one's sister is included in that, why does the Torah have to single out incest with one's sister? To teach us ultimately again that Allah only gets Kares and not Malchus. Rav Ashi, 
Therefore, again, so remember, what we have over here unfolding is as follows. In general, whether it's a chiyav karis, do you get malchus or not? So clearly, what do we begin to see? It's a machlokas. And the Imara just suggesting the author of our Mishnah holds that when there's a chiyav karis, there, is, there are no malchus. There is no malchus. There is no malchus. That's why the Mishnah says the distinction between Shabbos and Yom Kippur is that Yom Kippur is judged by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? Because there are no malchus, it's karis. And Shabbos is judged in an earthly court. Rabashi, Rabashi says, The truth is, the Mishnah could even reflect the view of the one who holds that you do get Malchus even for a Kari's bearing infraction. The Mishnah could just be read as a distinction between Shabbos and Yom Kippur. It was say, even if you hold that Kari's gets Malchus in Beisdin, at the end of the day, the essence of the punishment is still Bidei Shamayim, it's still in the hands of heaven. So if say just two different ways of reading the Mishnah, the Mishnah could really be reflective of either of you. say, we'll just point out that the Rambam Paskins, Halacha Lamaisa, like Rabbi Yitzchak, namely, that if a person violates a Kari's infraction, they do get malchus in based in shalmata. They do get base. They do get malchus. They do get lashes in earthly based in. And ultimately, I will say the good news is that those malchus. If you think about it, by the way, you also need it from. It appears that that has to be the halacha, just from like a societal, from a societal perspective. You never want to have a system where people could violate serious infractions. And there is no ramification in the Beisdin system. So almost like it's a mechanism to keep people honest that there's a punishment for everything. Right? Well, most of us live life making decisions based on the consequences of those decisions. So the idea that even if you violate a Kari's bearing infraction, there is still a punishment here in Beisdin Shalmata. But again, that's how he passed it. That if you violate Kari's, Halakha there are Malkus in Beisdin Shalmata. But the good news is those Malkus absolve you of the Kari's. So I will say again, to close it out, therefore the Mishnah says, the, in general, Shabbos and Yom Kippur are the same in terms of the nature of the restrictions, uh, leaving aside the fasting restrictions on Yom Kippur, so not the Malacha restrictions. Just the distinction, violation of Shabbos is dealt with in an earthly court, violation of Yom Kippur is dealt with by the celestial court. Top of Ches. Ein bein hamudra hano mechavero, lemodra hano ma'achol. So we'll listen to this. We, we, this is a case. This is a case of say. By the way, this it's actually exciting. Those of us who are doing Mishnayomi, so it's nice because we saw all of these Mishnayis ahead of time. One of the advantages of doing the Mishnayis before you do the Masakta is you get a little bit of a familiarity. So we've seen this case already. The Mudra Hanami Chaverabo says the following case. This is a situation where I make a neder that Ruvain is not permitted to get benefit from me. Right? It says an interesting Mudar Hanami Chaver. I'm making a neder preventing you, preventing someone else from getting any benefit from me. So the Vishnuvir is talking about two different types of nedarim. So the first type is, I take a nedar, I say, Ruvain, I hereby take a nedar, preventing you from getting any benefit from any of my possessions. You can't get any benefit from anything belonging to me. Versus nedar number two is, you can't get benefit from any of my food items. Any of my food items. So the Mishnah says, the only distinction between those two, those two Nadarim is, Ela Drisas Haregel. So I'll say, listen to this. This is quite fascinating. In general, right? So 
what about, so is Reuben allowed to take a shortcut through my property? So the Gemara says, well, it depends. What does it depend on? The type of nether. If I only precluded Reuben from getting benefit from my food items, then he could take a shortcut. However, if it's general nether against getting benefit from me, he can't even take a shortcut. The Kalim Shein Osem behind Ochal Nefesh. Same idea about utensils not used for the preparation of food. If it's a general benefit, Nezer precluding general benefit, he can't use those kalim. But if it's just food related, he can use those kalim. Says the Gemara, But obviously when it comes to utensils used for the actual creation of food, then no matter what the nether, he'll be precluded from using it. Remember again, the Mishnah said, listen to this, if I make a nether saying, Ruvain, you are not permitted to get any benefit from me, right? What is Ruvain not allowed to do? He can't take a shortcut across my lawn, even though for the last 20 years, he's the day everyone else in the world walks across my lawn, right? Ruvain is not permitted to walk across my lawn. I, the Gemara says, holokapti inchi, but in general, we assume that people don't mind if you take a shortcut across their property, I both say, now that's a very open-ended statement because people very often do mind if you take it. We're talking about a situation where it's understood that the person in question over here doesn't mind if you take a shortcut through their property. So a person is not makbid. What do you see from here? Amar Rava Hamani, Rabbi Eliezer, Da Amar, Vitor, Asr, Bamoder Hana. Both say, this is actually really quite fascinating. In general, we assume that there are certain things that a person is mevater on. Right, certain things that a person just is not, what's the right word, mevater, y- yielding, right? There's a better word. Um, that a, per- a, person, right, a person gives general permission for, right? Certain things that a person just is not makbed on. It's maybe the better way to say it. I'm, I'm just not makbed. I'm just not makbed. So one of the examples of that is, you want to take a little uh, shortcut across my lawn? Fine. Fine. It doesn't. A person not makbed. So the interesting thing we see from here, Rabbi Eliezer is of the opinion, however, if I'm making a nether, if I'm making a nether, and the nether is, you are not allowed to get benefit from me. What does that nether include? What does that nether include? Everything. Pretty much, it even includes the things that people are not normally makbid on. Right? And it makes sense. Why? Because if I'm going out of my way to what? To what? To make a nether saying that you can't get benefit from me. So, bepashtos, that includes everything even the things that a person would not normally be makbed on. So normally I don't mind if somebody takes a detour, right? A shortcut across my lawn, that's fine. But if I'm going out of my way to make a nether, saying that you can't get benefit from me, the pastos, it includes those things as well. Incredible. Ain bein adarm l'nadavas, next Mishnah. But these are great. Ain bein adarm l'nadavas, ela, ela, shan adarm, chayabachriyusan. Unidavas inu chayabachriyusan. So we'll say, very interesting Mishnah. Normally, nedarim and nedavas are grouped together. A neder is a vow, right? Is a vow. And a nedava is a gift. Now, I'll say, let's just frame this in the realm of karbanos. That's the easiest way to, to, to deal with this, right? So there are two types of offerings a person can bring. I vow, I hereby vow to bring a shlamin. Let's just use that. Or, right, that, that's a neder. Or nedava is I'm bringing this shlamim as a nedava, a gift offering. So the Mishnah says, in reality, right, like halachically, it's the same carbon. It's not really such a big difference. The major difference lies in what? Liability if something happens to the carbon. Namely, I will say, if halacha lamaisa, I made a neder, 
if I made a vow, so I made a vow to offer up this sheep as a shlamim. If something happens to the sheep, then what? I am obligated to replace it. Versus a nedava, a nedava of gift, if something happens to the sheep, I am not obligated to replace it. I will say a very simple distinction that we'll see in the Gemara, which is what? Is there between a chiv on the gavra versus the chefza? A neder is a chiv on the gavra, is a chiv on me. I have taken upon myself a responsibility. So therefore, I do not fulfill the responsibility until when? Until when? Until I bring the carbon. If the first animal dies, I have to replace it. Second animal dies, third animal dies, no matter what happens, I have to make sure that carbon gets there. Nidava is not an obligation on the gavra. What is in Nidava? Nidava on the cheftza. I'm designating an object, and therefore the obligation devolves upon the object. Therefore, should something happen to the designated animal, halacha lamaisa, I, I have no further responsibility. Says the Gemara, halainyan baltaacher, yet Rabbi say, interesting when it comes to baltaacher, remember again, what's, we know what's baltaacher. Baltaacher is the biblical obligation not to delay fulfilling your obligations. That if you make a promise, that if you make a promise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you make a pledge, you have to go ahead and honor it in a timely fashion. So the Gemara says, you see from here that whether you made a neder or an edava, you have an obligation to honor it in a timely fashion. So Tanan Hasam, here we see, Ezehu neder, right? What's a neder? Ha'omer hare alai ola. Right, we'll say here, this frame's even more clear. What's a neder? A person says, I hereby take upon myself the obligation for all this. So what am I doing? Alai, alai. It's an obligation which rests upon me. Ezohin Nedava. What's Nedava? Harezu Ola. Ultimately, again, this is Abba. So you see the, you see the distinction? Neder Hare Alai. It's an obligation upon me. Nedava Harezu. The obligation, quote unquote, is on the animal. Not really. It's not the obligation is on the animal. The obligation is still on me. But, but the responsibility is vested within that object. Therefore, what's the halacha? Umah bin nedarim ledavas. What's the distinction between a neder and a dava? Nedarim meisu o nignavu by neder. If the animal dies or is stolen or avdu or is lost, chay bachriyusan. I, the owner, am obligated to replace it. Replace it because remember again, it's hare alai. The obligation is upon me. Nedavos, however, when it comes to nedavos, meisu o nignavu o avdu. If it dies, it's stolen or is lost, eno chay bachriyusan. I am not obligated to replace it. Why? Because remember again, the obligation was vested in that particular animal. Once that animal dies, disappears, is stolen, I no longer have an obligation to replace it. Incredible. How do we know this? So Rabbi Shimon Omer, as sha'alav chay ba'achrayusan, ve as sha'ino alav, eno chay ba'achrayusan, it is only that which is upon you, only an obligation which is on you that you have a chay, that you have achrayus if something happens to the original animal. But ultimately, again, if the obligation is not upon you, then halacha lamaisa, if something happens, you have no replacement obligation. My mashma, what, how do you see this in the pause? Kevan the Amr Alai, see, I say when a person says the word Alai, I write Hare Alai Ola, the obligation is upon me, Kiman Ditoin Akasve Dami. It is as if the obligation sits on your shoulders. Say, Rabbi, say, we've seen this distinction many times throughout our journeys through Shas, the simple and fundamental distinction between Neder and Nidava. Neder Hare Alai, the obligation is upon me. Nidava Hare Zu, 
this animal is going to be offered as a carbon. Nafkamina between alai and zu, something happens to the designated animal. If the obligation is alai, then I have an obligation to bring as many animals as I need to until I fulfill my obligation, which is upon me. Hare zu, ultimately, again, if something happens to the designated animal, I no longer have a particular obligation. Let's go right there. As God, you know, it's it's also it's also interesting. It's also interesting to see that in life, in life, there are also these different kinds of responsibilities, right? There are nether responsibilities and there are nedava responsibilities. If you think about it, right, that in life there are certain things that are hare alai, certain things that are my responsibility. They're my obligation. They're my obligation. And I will say, if something is your obligation, then what's the halacha? What's the halacha? What's the halacha? You got to get it done. You have to get it done. In other words, there are no excuses. And even if there are excuses, that's fine, right? Figure it out. Figure it out, right? So, in other words, remember, the guy who says, Hare Allah Ola, and the animal dies, that's a pretty legitimate excuse not to bring the carbon. And what does Allah say to him? What does Allah say to him? So sorry for your loss, right? So sorry for your loss. I'm sure you were tight with that sheep, right? But, but now, but now, it's time to go ahead and find the replacement and get the job done. So in life, there are neder responsibilities. If something is upon me to get done, there are no excuses. There are no outs. I have to get the job done. But in life, there are also neder situations. And I will say, what are neder situations? You know, sometimes something in life has to get done, but it's not necessarily my responsibility. And some, so if possible, I have to do it. But then there are times where I have to absent myself from the process, perhaps because... I just can't get sucked into something that is not really on me. We see this all the time. There are things that are important. There are things that are important, but they may not be my responsibility. And often we kind of find the Yitzhahara, there's a Yitzhahara to try to fix the world. You can't fix the world. You can't fix the world. And often you can't fix things over which you don't have complete control. So there are, those are like the nether type things. They're important. They have to get done. And if I can do it, I should try to do it. But if something happens which precludes me from doing it, I have to move on. Nether responsibilities are all mine. And they're both saying, you know what the danger of nether responsibilities are? Sometimes with nether responsibilities, I look for others to do it, right? You have to do your part. You have to do your part. You have to do your part. If it's a nether, hare alai, it's mine and mine alone. Own it and get it done. And life is all about kind of being able to distinguish between what's a nether responsibility that I have a Christ for that I have to get done versus what is a nedava responsibility, which is I should try to help but at the end of the day, I don't hold the keys. And because I don't hold the keys, perhaps again, I have to figure out how much effort and how much ishtadlis I put in this particular area. Incredible life. You saw more to say about that, but we still have Gemara to do. Says the Mishnah, Ein bein zav. We'll say, I know, some, many of you told me last week that you missed zav. You've missed zav, right? It's been a while since the zav has made an appearance on the Dafyomi stage. Well, good news for you, right? There's going to be plenty of zav to go around. So says the Mishnah. That didn't, that didn't sound right. That didn't sound right. But you, but you understand, I meant there's going to be sugi over here. Good. I'm going to stick, stick to the script. Okay, S- says the Mishnah. Ein dein zav. So listen to this. So very quickly, very quickly. Allah Zav is this man who has this emission. This is a non-seminal emission. So the Mishnah will say, the Allah says like this. A Zav, 
who has two emissions, right? It doesn't matter, by the way, if it's two emissions on two days, two emissions on one day. Right? Azov has two emissions, but again, they can't be two emissions over three days, right? It has to be either one day or two days. Has to keep Shiv and Akim, seven clean days. Seven clean days. A Zav, well, let's see. the Rosh Shalosh, Ela Karban. So I'm going to say, interesting enough, whether Azov had two Reos, right? Either two on one day or two on two days, or Azov had three Reos, which could be three on one day, three on two days, or three on three days. The Aloha is both of them have to keep Shevnikim. They both have to keep seven days. In addition, the Mishnah says, the Zav who has three Reos also has to bring a Karban as part of his purification process. So says the Gemara, Halle'inyan mishkavu moshav, usfirat shiva, zevezeshavin. You see, I both say that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, ultimately again, for mishkavu moshav, so I'll say, look at Rashi, Rashi is mishkavu moshav, shachav oyashav al gabe asara begadim, ze al ze, kulan avos hatuma, vafila lo nagabahen, so says like this. If a Zav sits on something, sits on something, he transmits Tuma to the item he sits on. Not only that, but imagine the following case. Imagine a Zav sits on a pile of cushions. A pile of cushions. The Alachav Mishkav Moshav says anything that is underneath the Zav contracts his Tuma. Even though what? Even though what? He's not coming directly in touch with it, right? In contact with it. That's called Mishkav Moshav. Shabbos say, intro of the Mishnah says the only distinction between a Zav who has two emissions versus three emissions is Karban. Is Karban. But for Mishkav Moshav, Tuma Mishkav Moshav, or counting of seven clean days, they are the same. So I mean, how do you know this? So it says the Gemara, the Tan Rabban, the Rabbi Sima Yomer, Mana, Kosov, Shtayim, Vikaru, Tameh. So the Torah tells me that the Zav could have two Riyos and he's Tameh, Shalosh Karo Tameh, and three Riyos and he's also Tameh. Hakate, so that's what I'll say, so what does this mean? Shtayim Lutumah V'Shalosh Karo tells you that once he has two Riyos, right, two emissions, he's Tameh, and that's the count Shevinikim, right? And three Riyos, same thing, Tameh, Shevinikim, and also brings a Karban. Why don't you say two emissions is Tuma and no Karban, Three reios is carbon no tuma. Says it doesn't make sense. Amrit ad shelo ra shalosh ra shtaim. I'll say it doesn't make sense because remember again, if you're going to become tame with two reios, then what? You're suddenly going to become tame with three reios because you can't see three without what? Without seeing two first. Ve'imar shtaim the carbon velo the tuma shalosh af tuma. Say maybe that two reios doesn't generate tuma, just carbonic obligation. And ultimately, again, by three, you get into the state of Tumah, to which the The Pasik says, the coin will atone from before Hashem, Mizovo, from his Zivos. Mixas Zavin Mevian Carbon, or Mixas Zavin Mevian Carbon, it teaches us some Zavin bring a carbon, some Zavin don't bring a carbon. So I'll say, how do you say, what does that mean? Okay, it's it means that if a Zav has three Rios, he brings a carbon. Two Rios, he doesn't bring a carbon. Or maybe he'll say, if he has two Rios, he brings a carbon. Three, he doesn't. That doesn't make sense. Again, remember, you can't have two without, you can't have three without two. So what I was able to say, what the Gemara is saying is, it doesn't make sense that two Rios would have a um, 
Yeah, a carbon, a function that three wouldn't have. It doesn't make sense. In this case, it's a carbon. It doesn't make sense to say two rios would have a carbon, three wouldn't have a carbon. To which the Gemara says, it's trich rabbi simoi, this trich mizoh. So I'll say in reality, we have two different limudim teaching us the same thing. Namely, that I will say, once you get to two rios, remember again, there's a lot of commonality between two and three, which is going to be what? Shivanakim, mishkov umoshav. What's going to be, what's going to be the difference between them is what? Is halacha lemaisa carbon? Two has no carbon. Three does have a carbon. So I so we'll say now we have two drushas teaching us the same exact thing. You would have asked the questions we asked before. Furthermore, again from Zavo, I wouldn't know how many missions we're talking about. Kamash Malan Rabbi Simoy. Beautiful. The hashtag the Amazon say again, both Rush is teaching us the same thing, just both being able to really offset the questions posed to the other. The hashtag the Amrit Mizovo Lidrasha. Now that we use Mizovo for the Drasha we just said above, the Khiyitar Hazov Mizovo, my Darashtabe. What do you do with the phrase the Khiyitar Hazov Mizovo? Hahumi Baile the Khidisanya. We need it for the following. The Khiyitar Hazav. Both said it's actually very interesting. What happens if you have a guy who is both a Zov and a Mitsora? This guy's got a lot going on over here, right? Right? He's a Zov and a Mitsora. So I will say one would have thought that perhaps he cannot begin the purification process from his Zivos while he's still a Mitsora. Because also remember again. Being a Mitzora, so Tsaras is going to be our next sugya, right? Being a Mitzora, right? Contracting Tsaras ultimately is a form of Tumah. So you might have thought that if a guy is a Zav and a Mitzora, and let's say he's ready to begin to undergo the purification process for his Zivos, but he's still in a state of Tsaras, you might have thought that he can't begin the purification process for his Zivos. It's not true. The positive, the Chiyitah Mizovo. Even if he's not ready to begin the purification process for his saras, but he is ready to begin the purification process for his zivus, he can begin to do so. We learn from here that once a zav has two rios, once a zav has two emissions, he has to count shiva nikim. So why do you need a special drasha to teach me that a Zav who has two emissions has to count seven clean days? I'll tell you, it's a, it's a simple, it's a simple limud. If you're tummy enough, we'll say, if you think about it, by the way, the tumma of Mishkavu Moshev is a very severe form of tumma. Because we'll say, what does that mean? Right, if you're metami Mishkavu Moshev, remember again, what was the example? You're sitting on a pile of cushions. What's the status of the pile of cushions? Right? They're all Tomei. Which we'll say, if you think about it, it's pretty severe. That means you're conveying Tumah to things that you don't even touch. If you're on that level, right, that intensity of Tumah, that you're conveying Tumah's Mishkov Moshev, the Pashtos, you need seven clean days in order to become Tar. To which the Gemara says, it's not a good right, I'll tell you, I'm a days, I'm a days. Shomeres Yom Kineged Yom Tochiach. Now we'll say, the case of, now we'll say, what's the case of Shomeres Yom Kineged Yom? Take a look at the first Rashi on Chesam and Beis. This is Haroa Yom Echad Oshnayim Besoch Achadasayom Shebein Nida Lenida Mona Yom Echad Tavalas Bobbia. Let's listen to this. So, very, very, very quickly. We saw this in Mesechas Nida. If you remember again, 
from a from a Talmudic perspective, what's interesting is the way a woman's cycle is looked at in halacha is there are eleven days between each menstrual cycle, or eleven days not between but eleven days between the time when a woman could become a nida. If she were to bleed during those eleven days. That's not called danidos. That's not called menstrual blood. Now, what is it? Well, it depends how long it goes on for, right? During that time, if she bleeds, she could become a zava or a zavagidola if she has three emissions during that time. We're not going to get into all these halachas. Point over here is, if a woman bleeds during a time of nanidos, a nanida time, if she just has one emission, she is called a shomeres yom. Shomerasyon means she has to, for every day, for a day that she bleeds, she has to observe one day in purity, right? One day, one day in, we'll call it in cleanliness, one day without an emission. And if she observes one day without an emission, then halacha lamaisa, she is restored back to her state of ritual purity. So Shomerasyon kinegi yom tochiach, shemitame mishkavamoshav, so I will say she also conveys Thomas Mishkava Moshev, the yet Eina Tuuna Sviras Shiva. She does not go ahead and require seven clean days. So both say the point over here is you see, you see that what? A person could have a higher form of Tuma transmission, i.e. Mishkava Moshev, but yet not be obligated in counting seven clean days. Viaf ato altetanaze, shiafapi shamatame mishkavu moshav, loitan svir shiva, tamulomar mizovo visiper, mixas zovo visiper, limar azav vashte reios, shaton sviras shiva. Shavos, I see you right. So, in other words, the argument, the argument to say that if you convey tumas mishkavu moshav, you automatically require shiva nikim goes out the window. Why? Because shomer sum kineged yom conveys Tumas Mishkava Moshev, yet she does not require Shivanikim. Therefore, the Gemara learns that from the Pasuk, that Allah Zav, once he has two Rios, once he has two emissions, is going to convey Tumas Mishkava Moshev, and also what? Requires counting of Shivanikim. Both say first wide line, Chesam of Days. Amavira Papala Baye, Sarah Papa said that Baye, Maishna Hai Mizovo, Demirabi Bezov, Bashte Rios. So we'll say from Zovo, Mizovo, we're learning, right? We're coming to include that a Zov, who has two emissions, ultimately again is Chayiv and Shivanikim, and Mishkavu Moshev. Umaishna Hai Mizovo, Dememait Be Bal Zov Bashteirios. So let's listen to this. This is fascinating. Let's say we have two Mizovos, right? From one Mizovo, I'm coming to include that a Zov who has two emissions has to count seven clean days and conveys Tomas Mishkav Moshev. Yet, from the second Mizovo, this is, this is riveting, from the second Mizovo, I'm excluding a Zav Baal Shtei Reios from what? From Karban. So I don't understand. How, how, how does that work? One Mizovo includes, one Mizovo excludes. What's the Pshat? Amalei. Because if you think that the, the first Zovo that we quoted, which is really the second one on the Pesukim, is coming to exclude the Zabal Shteirios, don't say anything. And maybe you'll see we can learn it out from a logical argument. He can't, because as we just saw before, Shemer Yom teaches you that even if you have the stringency of Mishkavu Moshev, you don't automatically have 
you don't automatically have shivnekiim. The chitema haimi bailing mi zavo velominig o. I but we said before maybe that zavo comes to teach me that if he's a zav. And the Mitzorah, you can begin the purification process for Zivus, even if he's still suffering from Tumas Tzaras. Let the Pasuk just say, if the Zav will become Tar. And that teaches me that as soon as he's ready to go ahead and become Tar from his Zivus, he can begin that process, even if he is still suffering from Tumas Tzaras. Mizovo lamali. So why do I need the expert Mizovo? So the Gemara says, Limeid Azav Balshteriyos Shetaon Sviras Shiva comes to teach us about Azav, ultimately again, who has two emissions, that he is Chayiv in counting of seven clean days. And I both say, so the entire takeaway from this sugya, again, the simple takeaway, you learn a couple of interesting halachas. First of all, working backwards, you see a Shabbat Shalom which is a woman who has an emission during the non-nida time of the month, if it's just one emission, all she has to do is what? Count one clean day corresponding to the day she had an emission. But yet, interestingly enough, during that day, she is metame, tumas mishkavu moshav. We also learn that a zav who has two reios is going to be chayiv what? Shevenikim, seven clean days, and also metame, tumas mishkavu moshav. And a Zav Bal Shalosh Rios, right? The Zav has three emissions. Well, obviously, again, also, Shivanikim, Mishkav Moshev, but also has an obligation for what? For carbon. Incredible. Bosei Baiter, Mishnah, great Sogis, great Sogis, and Beimitzor Muskar, Lemitzor Mocha, Bosei, fascinating. So remember again, two different types of Mitzora. Now, Bosei, listen to this. Mitzora Muskar, Mitzora Muskar is a guy, is a guy. Ultimately, again, who is confined, right? So right now, he's in isolation. Why is he in isolation? Because he has something that looks like tsaras, but it's not definitive tsaras. So I'll say the easiest example of this is like this. If you have a situation where, let's say, you have a blemish on the skin that looks like tsaras, but let's say the, the hairs inside of that blemish haven't turned the same color as the blemish. So we have to wait and see. That's, so what we do is, at certain, for certain situations, we tell a guy, isolation. I see a quarantine, quarantine, right? You have to quarantine until we see, until we see exactly what is going on. That is called a mitzora muskar, a quarantined mitzora. So in general, versus a mitzora muchlot, which is a, um, a um, confirmed, thank you, a confirmed mitzora, right? Confirmed mitzora. So there is no difference in a quarantine mitzora versus a confirmed mitzora ella prio prima, except for the obligation ultimately to what? So I want to say prio and prima refer to allowing his hair to grow, right? Because the mitzora does not take a haircut. And prima refers ultimately again to the tearing of the clothing. So prio is allowing your hair to grow. So I want to say a mitzora muklara quarantined mitzora does not have these obligations, doesn't have to allow his hair to grow, nor does he have to tear his clothing, but a confirmed Mitzora does. Right? Similarly, so I will say, if a Mitzora is quote-unquote a Mitzora who is declared Tahar after quarantine versus a Mitzora who is, who is, who is, who is, who is, who is purified, after after a bona fide duration of tsaras, the obligation to shave and take a haircut and a carbon of bird offerings. These are the distinctions. Then Rabbi say, what comes out is as follows. So halacha halacha 
a conf- let's just let's just talk a little bit differently. A confirmed mitzora has an obligation to allow his hair to grow, to tear his clothing, and part as part of his purification process, ultimately again he has to shave, take a haircut, and offer a carbon of birds versus a quarantined mitzora. But let's say who essentially is it? See, I have to understand a let's say a quarantined mitzora is effectively what? Effectively what? A non mitzora. He's not a Mitzora. The difference is during his quarantine, during his quarantine, he's treated like a Mitzora, but it turns out that he's released from quarantine because he's not a Mitzora. But during the quarantine period, he's kind of treated as a quasi Mitzora. But during that time, he is not obligated to allow his hair to grow. He's not obligated to tear his clothing. And when he is allowed out of quarantine, because it turns out that he's not a Mitzora, halacha sawat, there's no obligation of hair cutting, shaving, and certainly no karbanas. Says the Gemara, "Hal inyan shiluach zevizet shavin." So I say, what you see over here is something very interesting. That regarding being being sent out of the camp, that both of them are exiled. In other words, I will say the halacha is that by a mitzora, a mitzora is sent outside of the wall of the city. So you see that whether you are a confirmed mitzora or a quarantined mitzora, if you're quarantining, you're quarantining outside of the walls of this city as well. So in Hanimili, how do we know this? So the Tani Rav Shlobar Yitzchak Kameid Rav Huna, V'tziara HaKoyim Mispachasi, V'chibes Begada V'taher. So Bose, the Pazik says, the Kohen shall go ahead and purify. And Bose, this is talking about the Mitzorah Muskar, the quarantine Mitzorah, right? So the Kohen will once remember, Bose, what happens is he has something that looks like Tzara, so we quarantine him. We come back to him in a week. The Kohen looks again. The Kohen says, ah, it's not Tzara, it's Mispachas. What does he have to do? V'chibes v'gadav. He has to launder his clothing, right? Immerse, immerse his clothing. V'tier, Tahar mipriya uprima uprima dmeikara. What it means for say is that Allah Khalamaisa, Tahar is a retroactive purification. He is Tahar from ever having had to allow his clothes his hair to grow and his clothing to be torn. Armali Rava, Shabbos is very interesting because Vitahar, the Gemara's understanding to mean not on the present state, but on the retroactive state. The quarantine Mitzora was never obligated to allow his hair to grow and to tear his clothing. Armali Rava Alameata. If that's his Baizav, it says, he will immerse his clothing and he'll be tar. You're telling me that tar means retroactive purity? What it means is that if it turned out that the Zav went ahead and moved something before his confirmed status, even when he becomes, when, even when he is declared Tameh, Halacha Lamaisa, that Toma is not retroactive. Tar Hashta Mafreya. So we'll have to stop over here for today. We'll pick up with this meditation tomorrow. But we're understanding what Rabosa is interesting application or interesting drush of the word Vitaher. The Gemara's understanding that the word Vitaher by the Mitzora Muskar, by the quarantine Mitzora tells us. He was purified from the beginning of the obligation of Prio Prima, allowing his hair to grow and his clothing to be torn. Emir Tashem will continue with the Sugi Emir Tashem tomorrow. Shkoya. Yeah, give me a call. Give me a call. Perfect.